Welcome to the Chasing Brighter podcast, a show about self-discovery and lifestyle tips for moms. We are your hosts. I'm Kelly, a wife, mom of two, and an independent consultant with my own company in Chicago. And I'm Jessica, a wife, mom of three, and owner of my own outpatient mental health practice in Nevada. You're about to go on a journey of self-discovery as we chase a brighter you. Every single week, we will bring you new episodes that will cover everything from lifestyle and tips to more serious conversations about grief, life, and hardships. Whether it's a duo episode or we have a guest, you are guaranteed to pick up a new tool or feel less alone. This one is for the moms that have forgotten how to make time to keep their spark alive. Allow this show to be a reminder to always keep chasing a brighter version of you. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're talking with Katie Wells. She's the host of a globally recognized top 50 podcast, The Maximized Minimalist, and a leading declutter expert. And you guys might be like, I thought we were talking about the holidays. Like, what's going on? But this is a perfect time to talk with the decluttering expert because we need to be thinking purposefully and mindfully about what our goals are and what we're going to be bringing into our house this holiday season. We think this will help you get into the right mindset. Enjoy. How are you doing today? Good. How about you? You're here. We're doing it. We're going to talk about simplifying our lives. So yes, I'm trying. If you saw this office, you would be like, what the hell's happening? But (laughs) in my um, attempt to simplify, Mm -hmm. I've been keeping boxes because I joined that the buy nothing group. And so I'm slowly every few days I go through educational materials for my children, you know, from when they're younger, every few days, I just go through like a little bit, post it, put it in a box, Good for um, you. Put it on the front porch, but this is my box storage room at this time. We we all need that type of space though. And you're moving things out. So your trajectory is moving up, which is a good thing. So it's like a you. staging site. That's good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Your staging area. Yes. So okay. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk to you. And I know we've been listening to your podcast, but I wanted to really start our discussion today talking about you and your journey and just kind of sharing that with our listeners and, and how you kind of came about the Maximize Minimalist. Yeah. So um, first of all, it's such an honor to be here and hang out with you ladies today. I love how you help women navigate life to become the best versions of themselves. And I really feel like this conversation around decluttering and simplifying really is just going to add so much to that conversation because when we're buried in clutter and chaos, we can't be who we were meant to be and who we yes. want to be and thrive to be. So anyway, I'm so happy to be here. I kind of always chuckle when I say, oh, I'm a declutter expert because I feel like a lot of people, when I was buried in clutter and stressed and just overwhelmed, all the gurus and the experts felt like so unattainable, like, oh, they were just born that way. And I was not born organized or decluttered. I really went through my own very personal journey with with clutter and mess. And it wasn't until about 2016, so I had two kids under two, working full-time out of the house at the time, business owner, probably 20 employees I was managing, working 70 hours a week, all the things, right? My life was just this intense rat race that I feel like I was just never going to win. And I was just going to die trying. And when I came home at night, my home was just an even bigger stressor than my work. Mm-hmm. And one yeah. day in 2016, my family and I were involved in a head-on car accident when we left the house to just go do something fun and have quality time together. Crazy. In the several hours after that car accident, I didn't know if my husband was going to survive. Very gratefully, my kids and I were okay. But after the car accident, my husband couldn't feel his hands and then he just passed out. And next thing I know, I'm in the hospital and I'm going, oh my gosh, I thought I was already struggling in life. I already didn't have enough time. I already didn't have enough structure. I didn't have enough support. I did all these things. And now I'm looking at a life of potentially raising two kids on my own. And after countless hours of very intense waiting. The doctors came in and said, Katie, he's going to be okay. He'll be able to make a full recovery, but it'll be a really long time. So my friends brought me home that night 
and Kelly and Jessica, I will never forget that we walked through the threshold of my front door. And it was like, for the first time I saw my home for what it was, it was chaos. There were toys on the floor. There's paper everywhere. There's dishes everywhere. There was literally clutter on every single surface area. And I got so upset because I'm like, I don't have time for this. I have to help my husband heal. I have to be there for my kids to solo parent for who knows how long I cannot invest my time and energy into these piles of junk and clutter. And on top of that, I felt this intense shame because anytime these exact same friends who spent the entire day at the hospital with me, my best friends in the world, anytime before this, they were like, hey, I'm gonna pop over for a minute. I did what any of us do. I threw everything behind a closed door and pretended I had my stuff together yeah. in my home was like, <laughs> right? Like I was like, oh, panic, declutter, panic, clean, throw it behind the door in the guest room, AKA the junk room. And I didn't have that opportunity. And so I really felt like, diving deep here, like I felt like this part of me was exposed, like, oh, Katie's not perfect. Katie doesn't have her stuff together. Katie's home is a mess just like mine. But because our culture teaches so much perfection and we mm -hmm. should be able to do it all as women, you should be able to raise kids and do this and go to college and get another degree, and do, you know, all these things. It's like, oh my gosh, I was so ashamed. And that shame burned so deep. And again, what was it taking away from? It was taking away from being there for my kids and the way I always wanted to be knew I could be, but just didn't have the time and energy to. And so it was really at this defining moment where I was like, it became so apparent clutter was standing in the way of everything I wanted in life, like less stress, all this mental handicap I was feeling like chronic stress and anxiety and depression, all these things, time with my mm -hmm. family. And it was just like crystal clear. And even though I had less time than ever, had less energy than ever, I made the decision I was going to do it, but it's hit, I hit lots of roadblocks along the way. Mm -hmm. We all have our own struggles. And I really ultimately came up with a system. I was like, this is great for busy families everywhere because so many systems out there are just unattainable. Well, yeah. yeah and it sounds like when you had that traumatic incident, to me, you walk in the door and want to breathe like a sigh of relief because you're finally yes. safe. And it was like traumatic, right? But not like, safe. It is traumatic. It's like yeah. unsafe. You were like, oh God, I don't want to go here either. You know? I know. Oh yeah. I used to like walk through my front door and be like, I kind of don't want to be here. If it weren't for my people living in this house, I would just want to start over, which I hear from women all the time. Like, I wish I could just burn it all and start over. And we kind of laugh about it, but there's like a little piece of a lot of us who struggle with clutter that kind of wish that were true. We do want a refuge. We do want to come home after a long, busy day and walk through our front door and not be greeted with all of these distractions and all of this chaos when we need to plan dinner and check in with our kids and help them with homework or talk to our partner and plan a date night, all these things. And it's just this instant bombardment. And so that does impact our mental health. It does impact our time and energy. And so I'm so happy to be here to dive deeper into that with you all and support you and your audience, because it's definitely an important part of the conversation. This isn't about having a tidy home. It's not about having a home that never has mess, that never has clutter, because that's not life, right? Mess is a side effect of life. Marie Kondo, Joshua Becker, Katie Wells, The Minimalist, I don't care who you are, your goal should never be to strive for a home that's always tidy. If that's your goal or 100% clutter-free at all times, right? That's gonna cause so much stress and that's not really gonna be really helpful for us. It's just unattainable. So I really mesh like realistic solutions with busy lifestyles as families. And a lot of the times as women, as a spearhead of the declutter movement or simplification movement in our household with these really tangible strategies that ultimately we can hand over to our families and automate and simplify and create a home that's easy to tidy, not always tidy and really drop a lot of that perfectionism is important too. Yeah. I love that. Sometimes when I think about what you're saying, even in terms of systems, then I think about like when your kid comes home from school and they had like a Halloween party <laughs> and there's like a giant bag of like bouncy balls and stickers and pencils. And I think you know, it's easy. I almost think in some ways it was easier, even though I was definitely not good at it when I wasn't married or when we didn't have children, but like the ability of control becomes less and less when you have these other little humans who are also bringing crap into the house. <laughs> it has a special meaning to them sometimes and figuring out what those systems are. What do you tell? So what do you tell your clients about that, about like, 
how to handle some of this day-to-day little stuff that comes in. With decluttering or systems or anything really that we're talking about, it all comes down to habits. And what I really recommend doing is looking for these little pain points that aren't necessarily like these big burdensome issues, maybe like your wardrobe, for example, like maybe if your wardrobe somewhere, you have a clutter issue, but uh, that's not what I'm talking about. Just like these little, like, oh, this part of the counter or this part of the kitchen table Mm -hmm. is where the homework accumulates or the artwork or like the half completed projects and random things. So just going through your home and identifying where those pain points are and then asking yourself, is this a true clutter issue? Can I solve the majority, if not all of this, by simply decluttering? Do I just have too much? Is it a system issue? Is the system I have in place, is it working? So when you look at system, my best way to describe systems versus habits is a system is like the dance. So it's like the cha-cha-cha, right? So that's the system as a whole and the habits are the moves within the dance, right? So the post-school tornado, I used to call it when my kids would Mm -hmm. come home and be like, here's my homework, here's my artwork, here's 15 pages of graded, you know, all these things. And I have a system in place, let alone habits. And so creating that structure and whether you do that or you just oversee it and kind of pass on these systems and habits to your family members, it really can feel a lot of times like this well-oiled machine, the more you get into it and the more everyone establishes those habits. And here's the thing, a lot of us are like, well, I can't be perfect or my kid isn't perfect at putting their things away. That's not the goal. Even if you just follow through with the system or habits 50% of the time, it's still gonna be a sigh of relief when it comes to these little trinkets and stuff landing where it's not supposed to and just managing the inflow of the clutter, right? Because we can declutter all day long, but if we never look at what's coming into our homes and how it's getting there, it's kind of like being in a boat that has a hole in it and only focusing on bailing the water out with a bucket, right? You're gonna be able to stay afloat a little bit longer, but you're certainly not gonna be able to enjoy the boat ride and that leak, we need to find it. And so you're right with other people in our household, whether it's kids or partners or whoever, mother-in-law is sending our partners stuff from their childhood, (laughs) getting, I don't know, there's so Mm -hmm. many different ways or sales or things like that. Obviously our buying habits and things like that. It's important to just focus on those too. The other thing too, like when you say not perfectionism, so I have three kids, 15, almost 13 and eight. And so I, I do think because with the older two I'm on the other side it's like you realize it's so short-lived and then you're like sad you know what I mean like so my little one we have toys we're gonna have toys in our house he's eight he plays with toys I'm happy he plays with toys so there are gonna be some toys in my home but like the other two like their rooms are immaculate because they have cleaned out toys and little things and all they do is their phone and they don't bring things in which, you know, you're, I'm sad about, you know, you're like, where are the little papers and all the things. So, so the other thing too, I think, I guess what I'm saying is accept where you are in the life cycle yes. with the kids, because that's, they're obviously not going to be bringing yeah. little Halloween bags. And Kelly, you know what I do? I take the Halloween bag and I hide it in my office for a week until I forget about it. And then I go and throw almost all of it away. No, we eat, I eat all the, I eat all the candy I like. And then the rest. Yeah. Usually we do like a trade-in offer, like give me these things and you can have X, Y, Z with the candy stuff. But yeah, I think as far as the little trinkets that are apparent clutter to us, but they're like, Oh, but this is so cool. All of that stuff. I will say the majority of it is really designed for the landfill, which is the unfortunate truth. Like mm. a lot of the gift bag goodies and things, mm. like it's like well-intentioned, but your kid goes to 15 birthday parties a year, that's 15 bag, or like even going to the dentist's oh, office or yeah. like, you know, like- oh, that's so um, terrible, I know. It's just like, it's terrible. cheap plastic stuff that's small. It's hard to find a home for, it gets lost, it ends up where it shouldn't. And so honestly, in our home, my kids are now six and eight, like they don't even care for it. So they're starting to say to the dental hygienist who's trying to give it to them, oh, no, thank you. I don't really want it. Or they'll just take a few of the things out of the bag mm-hmm. they might play with, but it, it typically has a 24 hour lifespan. And my kids are getting better at understanding, oh, I'll play with it for a few days. But then what happens? It loses its luster. Like any new thing for the most part happens to all of us, whether that's a t-shirt, a pair of shoes, or a bracelet you got from the dentist. And so then we have a donation bin that's in our garage. Everyone knows where it is in my house. And the second they're like, I don't want this, or you know, if they can't find a home for it, and it's just ending up where it shouldn't be, they know it goes into the donation bin and then someone else can use it. But yeah, those are tricky, those little, those little trinkets. 
I wanted to even take a step back for our listeners. And um, because I love how you talk about being a minimalist. So I think the mainstream, when we talk about being a minimalist, it's like, oh my gosh, I have a giant house. I fill it with stuff. Like I can't like not have stuff. So I think about this like perfect little like white house in Denmark that has like five things in it. (laughs) Tell us about how you define the minimalist movement or like your practice of minimalism. Yeah. That's so funny you say that because I think it does feel unattainable for a lot of people. And it all really depends on what your definition is. If you go into any minimalist group on Facebook, like free groups, I mean, there are some people who take it to a level I want nothing to do with. I think they lose their sight of why they did it to begin with. And then it becomes all of these kind of invisible rules. And well, you're only a minimalist if you have three pairs of shoes and one pair of sheets and no toys in the house, you know, like, (laughs) and it's like, well, that's not why we're here. We're here to make our lives better. We're not here to create this new level of achievement almost it's like we're validating ourselves through achievement by decluttering when really it's the benefits you gain from simplifying and so i kind of look at minimalism or simplifying through the lens of it's the vehicle i'm going to get in to get me further down the road right closer to my core values closer to the life i want closer to happiness contentment joy spending time with my family connection all of my core values and because everyone's core values are different we can use minimalism in different ways. We can apply our simplifying. We can declutter our schedules. We can declutter our commitments. We can declutter our relationships, right? Toxic relationships. Those impact our time and energy and how we feel about ourselves. And of course, our relationship with our staff is really an important piece of that puzzle too. So, uh, you know, from a 30,000 foot view, if you can look at look at it through that lens, I think it can be really helpful to get into that car, turn that key and just be like, let's see where this is going to take me and what I'm going to gain from letting go of all this stuff that isn't serving me or my family in our season that we're in right now. And if you look at implementation, we talked a little bit about how we don't have control of things and you have a, a giveaway box, but do you have strategies that you implement for yourself on what you're bringing into your home, like shopping, like clothes, like shoes, all of the stuff? Yes. I am a recovering shopaholic, a hundred percent. I was a big part of the clutter problem, even though I very gladly pointed my finger at my husband and my two young sons, right? Which I feel like a lot of us tend to do, but after a little bit of self-reflection and decluttering, I was like, wow, I'm still have a lot to go. And I, and I started to just be like, oh, I just bought this a month ago on Amazon. Oh, I remember the day I bought that, right? Oh, I thought I really needed that. Now I'm decluttering it. Oh, well, maybe I should put some more intention into my consumption patterns. And so some really simple things I've put in place just to help me limit that because I was probably buying something on Amazon every few days, mm-hmm. right? It's easy to do when it's under 10 or $15, but what's the, there's like a quote out there. It's like, what's it? take to waste $10,000 a year, $20 and change a day. And these little miscellaneous purchases, they add up. And so I wait 48 hours before I buy something that's not already like on my shopping list. I unsubscribed, right? I had to reduce temptation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I unsubscribed from emails. I stopped following certain influencers who were getting paid for me to buy their stuff, whether it was good intentioned or not, whether they actually use the product, I didn't care. Like I was constantly, if you look at all the ways we're bombarded and getting ads shoved in our faces, whether, you know, depending on where we're spending our time on social media, podcasts, YouTube, I don't know, you'd be surprised. You're like, wow, no wonder I bought something today. Before 8 a.m., I got served 15 ads on Facebook, if that's where you're spending your time. And so I really just worked on reducing that temptation. Then I didn't have to use so much willpower, right? Um, That's important because that gets zapped by 8 a.m. most days. (laughs) So waiting, and then I did finally, I put a little budget in place for myself, like, which I didn't have, which sounds silly. I know it's very basic for a lot of people, but like, here's a shopping budget. Like I actually need to use this. And instead of looking at it as a restrictive thing, I looked at it as like a sense of freedom. It really made me feel good because I was so out of control with my spending. And I was like, oh, and then having in place an idea too of what am I going to do with my saved money? Because I didn't have a carrot. And I was just like, I put on the credit card, like a lot of us are trained to do. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, wow, what would I actually do with this extra money? Once I saw how much I was spending and I was like, wow. And we ended up taking a 
trip to Italy in 2019. And all of that was because just me, not even my husband, which he's not a big spender because I changed our spending habits. Whereas two years before that, I would have said, that's never possible. We don't make enough money. We don't have, nope, nope, never could happen. But it did. And all I did was change my spending habits and declutter, right? And it just created this amazing catalyst for me to, again, take take a 30,000 foot view, take a pause and go like, hold on, like, let's actually see, <laughs> are the decisions I'm making getting me closer to what I want or further away? And every time I looked at these decisions I was making, they're getting me further away. And so I just started Absolutely. It, you know? Yeah, and I think about when we, you're talking about intentions and goals. If I say these are the top four things that are important to me, right? And let's say you're like family and quality time and travel, and then you're buying, you know, $14 sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> that's where most of your money's going. Yeah, it's like, well, my spending habits aren't reflecting. You're talking about a friend, Jess, right? A friend that <laughs> talking about a friend. Yeah, talking about a friend. Uh, you know, this whole fast fashion, right, is getting this big backlash right now. And I was reading about this this influencer who does like vintage clothing and secondhand shopping, and now she's saying secondhand shopping is becoming so big that mm -hmm. the prices are being raised. Mm -hmm. With a teenage girl who loves fast fashion, it's interesting. Anyways, just to think about our values and our goals and what we're bringing into the home. And I definitely, my husband pointed out, like, didn't you just buy this? And I'd be like putting stuff together to give away. <laughs> and it would be like, yeah, I would get it because it was this great steal and it was $12. But then guess what? The quality of it wasn't that great and it didn't last very long. And so I was like, wow, I'm just buying things to give away or throw away in mm -hmm. 90 days. And so also just having that thought and intention of the quality of what you're bringing in. But anyway, just about with so much, like you're saying, not just items in your home, but just kind of reflecting, is this my values? Is this, is this my top value? I really like that. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's huge. I just had to pay our credit card bill this month and my husband was like, well, what are we spending it on? And I was like, you know, I rattle off the like big ticket items and he was like, well, that doesn't add up to what it was. And I was like, it's a lot of little stuff. And I just looked yes. through it and I was like, Jesus. It was a lot of little things, but then him and I talked about this because I don't feel like I spend that much, but it does seem to add up, but I do have a tremendous amount of opportunity to improve my spend. I feel like I've done better because I'm working less than I did before. So I have more time for family, but I was still spending. I still am spending. I, I think this is an area that I'm now that I have my time management stuff taken care of, this yeah. is like something I have to tackle is this spend situation. But I love what you said because about just like really making more time for the things that are important to you, like you said, just your values, because instead of me having, you know, a new water bottle or the kids have dry fit shirts, I would rather save that and do it on something more rewarding. And so it's really, really hard though, right? To get out of that habit. And because it goes back to these well-worn paths, right? Yeah. What were some tools or resources you used even to kind of make a little bit of that shift or how mm -hmm. I sometimes I ask too many questions. Sorry about this, Katie, because I guess maybe the bigger question is how do you help your people that you're working with your clients on making some of those shifts that are really hard to change? Like getting yeah. out of the hamster wheel, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love this question because, you know, usually when we have that awareness, it hits us and we're like, oh, I'm spending too much. I should probably stop that. Right. It's like, we know what we know. Maybe a budget would help. Maybe you already have a budget, but you're not sticking to it. Or, you know, it's like all these logical things like, oh, maybe I just need a checklist or I should read this book, you know? And it's like those things, strategies and methods can absolutely be helpful. But I think a lot of us need to get to the root of it. Right. So why am I consuming? Why am I stuck in these mm -hmm. patterns? And so I think, well, I know top two reasons that are very widely discussed for our consumption patterns and maybe impulse shopping or shopping too much are boredom and stress, right? So if you're feeling bored, so just start paying attention. A lot of us do our shopping online, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So there's less friction. We don't have to put the kids in the car. We don't have to take snacks. We don't have to pack a diaper bag or whatever season of motherhood or life you're in to go shop. So that friction is completely gone. We don't have to go to a shopping mall anymore. We just pick up our phones, AKA computers in our hands. So start paying attention to when you feel 
compulse to pick up your phone and go on your deal of the day app or Amazon or check your what and see what your favorite influencer is selling that day, right? Check your internal environment. What's happening with your emotions? What are you thinking? Is it the end of the day? For a lot of my clients, it's stress or boredom or it's a certain time of the day, end of the week, Friday, they're having their glass of wine, they got Netflix on in the background and they're like, I just wanna scroll and buy something and feel good, you know? Mm -hmm. And so once you identify the, those patterns, you can figure out what it is you're trying to fill by consuming or buying and then find another activity that you can fill in there instead. And I'm not saying never buy anything again, or like I still sure. buy stuff on occasion that I wasn't planning to do it. It's okay, that's not what we're shooting for. But identifying those patterns. And then another big question is like, what's happening in my internal environment, but also my external environment. I found that I was constantly reaching for my shopping apps when I was overwhelmed by clutter. I did all mm. my shopping, not from work, or not from outside walking in nature where I felt at peace, but when I was surrounded by clutter, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And so that's something that's not really talked about when it comes to consumption patterns is that's a big drive for consuming. When we feel that things are out of control in our lives, shopping and buying things can give us this false sense of security and false sense of feeling more in control. Oh, I just bought that. Oh, that feels good to our brains. Hey, you are in control. Your house like is a mess, but you're in escapism control. and avoidance, yes, you know, hundred percent, a coping mechanism. Yeah. And that's really where that self-awareness comes into it. But a lot of us don't have time. We're too busy. We don't want to get to the root of it, you know? So I would encourage any of your listeners who are struggling with that and a book hasn't worked or a strategy hasn't worked, spend 15 minutes journaling or just saying, oh, mm. I five o'clock every night, I feel you know, I hop on Instagram and I know that I'm going to go to my favorite influencer and she's going to sell me a pair of boots and I'm going to get them. So what's happening? You know, what's happening in your internal ex external environment, identify those patterns and try and shift them from there. And then those strategies and tools that you already have in your brain can be a lot more useful when you get to the root of it and really pull the weed out by the root instead of just chopping it off at ground level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's hard though. I, I'm definitely very guilty of this where you do sort of like you get this moment because I do love to shop where it's these temporary joy things that yes. really aren't, it's not, it's not truly bringing you joy. It's this really short-term gratification that is so short-lived and trying to figure out a way to break out of that and something different is is going to be very hard for me, but it's definitely something I want to try to put into practice more. The other thing I was thinking about with regard to this is just, you know, the reason why I kind of dove into this a little bit more is guess where the clutter came from. That's right. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's from like the buying of stuff, right? And a lot of it is. And so if I, Jess and I talk about, Jesse has um, a dream of living in a van down by a river and I, think, I like, I, I can follow hashtag. Sounds like a CCR it's song. Like, I'm into it. It's like, <laughs> I, um, we, we had a, a, a nanny who, when our youngest went to kindergarten, she like went to go like live in her car. And she, I thought she sounded insane. And she was like, I follow this guy. So I started following these YouTubers and all of these people that like this live this nomadic life. And so Kelly knows I have a dream where I'm like, let's just just sell all of it and just it's have like less stuff, nothing. right? It's... Have like a fork and a bowl and <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I would ask yourself, what is it about that dream that sounds so appealing? And I think for a lot of us, it's obviously there's way less stuff to manage. And so to boil it down, it's like the ease. And the freedom Absolutely. and the liberation, yes, 100%. Yeah. right? Oh my gosh, don't you just feel like, oh, if I just like lived in a van, that would solve all of my problems. Well, it'd probably solve a lot of them <laughs> when it comes to- Well, life. I think like it, you're right. It's it's simplifying. And I yes. think bef be because of what we talked about at the beginning with minimalism, you're thinking minimalism means you live in a tiny house. And so I can't live in suburbia and have things and be a minimalist. So the only other alternative is to run away. Right. And so it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and so I can do it here. I can do it in this house can. and I can have things and I can minimize in the house. We talk a lot on the podcast recently. Like I want my house to be like an Airbnb. You know, 100%. like yes. that's my goal where, you know, you have the things, it's beautiful, but like, it's just, I, I feel like my whole family, the kids have so much fun 
they're not like, this is boring. I have nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know mental health wise, it would be helpful. But also there's, I'm not giving up on my van life. Like I still think that's something that I'm going to do, Kelly. Possibly oh, retirement. I, I'm all for know. it. I'll be rooting you on from the side of the road. Like, yeah. I can I do mean, telehealth. Like I can work remotely. Yes. My my partner cannot, but I can work remotely. So I can go. I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I have a friend who's doing that in an RV with her family of four. And it's just, she knows it's a short season. Like anything, when you're living on wheels, there's maintenance things and your house is on wheels, but she's just loving it. And I've had students who've been inspired. And literally I had a student email me the other day. She went from a 4,500 square foot home to a 1600, so a lot smaller. Yeah. Didn't do like the tiny house thing by design. That wasn't a goal, right. but they could have they could afford a bigger home when they were moving but she's like no like this is i don't want to do that anymore because she Mm -hmm. knows she'll just fill it with stuff so Mm -hmm. she went they went smaller and they're putting that money toward this grand trip you know european trip and she's it's just crazy just being able to use minimalism or simplifying to just it can help us kind of think outside the box a little bit and realize that we don't have to live a certain way just because everyone around us is living that way and making those choices right culture is a big reason why we have our consumption patterns i mean we are born and bred to be buyers since we were watching saturday morning cartoons and that's only more intense with our uptick in technology use Mm -hmm. and how we interact with technology and so it's tricky it really is and it is counterculture to live simpler but i'm telling you what i've never met someone who has regret decluttering i regret having more time and energy and all this <laughs> right. joy i feel and this yeah. freedom it's just it's such a burden it's yeah. never I what mean, you hear you're right i think we're distracted by technology that brings into our home all of these things that we need. And I think you're right. It's a quick fix. It's a hit of adrenaline to shop and feel good for five seconds. And it is incredibly overwhelming to deal with the problem when you're saying to get the weed out by the roots. That seems overwhelming, but I can buy these cute shoes and feel good for five minutes. That was me in a nutshell. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to feel my feelings. I just want to numb them and feel good for a few seconds. But yeah. look where that gets us. It's the freedom. I think it's the freedom that that calls to us. I was giving the example when, because you're like, well, how how does that give you more time if you have less? You know, people are like, I don't understand. How do you have more time? And so I was telling Kelly, I know I talked about this, but I looked at the bathtub. My youngest still takes a bath and there were just toys all around the bathtub. And for me to clean around the bathtub, um, to take all of these toys and move all these toys. And so then I was like, well, this is just overwhelming. I'm not doing this right now. And so if you think about with everything, mm-hmm. you have to stop and move everything out of the way just so you can clean it. And so everything becomes like more of a hassle and more of a chore versus just getting a washcloth, wiping everything because your surfaces don't have as much crap on it. It's just less overwhelm in the end. Yeah. And I make this more tangible too, because I really love to use... If you're a listener of the show, you probably know I love to use data, studies, statistics. Like, where's the proof in the pudding? Because I'm the same way. I'm like, I need to know if this is going to save me time because I don't want to invest my time into something that's not going to have a return on my investment. And decluttering by far is one of the biggest things where we get so much time back. And one of the studies I reference a lot is one that showed we can save up to 40% of household chores, time doing household chores by decluttering our homes. That's all we need to do for the exact reasons you just mentioned. You want to vacuum, but you got to pick up the toys. You got to reorganize. You got to shuffle around. You want to do this activity, cook dinner. Oh, you got to spend 20 minutes clearing off the clutter on the countertops, right? And all that time we gain back. And so I did, I looked up other studies to figure out, well, how much time does the average American person spend on doing chores? And anyway, it ends up being an hour a day an hour a day you can save. And I would say on the back end, someone in maintenance mode, over an hour a day I save. And think about the the energy invested that I also Mm -hmm. gain back. The mental health, like I'm not triggered all the time when I walk into my house. It's not always unicorns and rainbows. I still have I'm still messy. I still have kids, (laughs) you know? And then that, so an hour a day, seven hours a week, 30 hours a month, that ends up being two weeks of your year you gain back from investing time and decluttering. So when someone says, oh, I get it, I'm inspired. I listened to an episode, I really wanna declutter, but I'm just too busy. Well, first of all, redefine what 
decluttering has to look like. It doesn't have to look mm. like this weekend slog, overwhelming project. But remember, again, it is you get such a massive return on your investment. And it's like, what's that worth? And I just I was, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I have a grandfather who's 99 about to turn 100. And most people don't live that long, right? And when mm -hmm. people get to the end of our lives, what's one of the top regrets you hear people say? I wish I had more what? Time with time. Family. Yeah. I wish I had more time with mm -hmm. who I really cared about. Yeah. With my loved ones, with my partner, with my kids. Time is a finite asset. Yeah. And I know Megan Summerall, I love her. She's a great practical time management strategist. And we just live in this age where we're obsessed with productivity and getting more done. And how do, how do I figure out how to gain more time back in my day? Declutter, declutter the distractions. Like Jessica said, these are distractions. They're wasting your time and energy. And you won't wake up anymore feeling like you're already in a deficit. If you are battling clutter, you wake up with 23 hours in the day. One's already gone because you're managing clutter. It doesn't all happen at once, right? Little bits add up, add up, add up. And now I feel like I have 25, 26 hours in the day because of how I invested that. And the time you spend decluttering last week or last month or last year, even if you still bring clutter into your house, yeah, that's okay. But it all continues to pay off for months and years down the road. And it's like, I don't know any other activity or, or investment that we can put into, you know, that has that return. It's like some yeah. people invest in the stock market. You put 50 bucks in, you hope to get a hundred out. It's never wasted time. Even if you don't get to the roots of it. Like if you're getting stuff out, you're going to feel better every time you're going to lighten your load. Especially, you know, and I think about, you know, I think Jess and I have a little, like kind of have a little more flexibility not having like full-time eight to five jobs and those who do. And I remember being in that situation. I'm sure both of you do as well. Where like weekends were like, you were battling how to have fun and how to do all the stuff around your house. Right. Because it seemed like I could have one fun day and it was usually Saturday. That was like the fun day. And then Sunday was doing laundry, cleaning up, doing all the things because I didn't want to do it during the week. And Talk to us about how that mindset changes, right? If you didn't have clutter, if you didn't have to spend that time doing that. Yeah. And then piggybacking on what you said, I used to feel so much guilt anytime I did want to have fun with my kids. I always had this nagging voice yeah. in my head. Ooh, that pile of laundry is getting bigger every second, Katie. Ooh, you got to do those dishes. Ooh, you said you'd reorganize your garage last week. Ooh, it's getting bigger. So I couldn't even enjoy my fun day or my fun hour with my kids or my family because of all the stuff, right? And talk to any happiness or expert or mindset guru out there. And most people will agree that like the key to happiness is being able to be in the present moment. Life is a series of moments, right? This, and we think, oh, it's a vacation or it's a trip to Disney World or it's when I'm completely, have a completely uncluttered home. We have all these moments that we are just so distracted and bombarded with all these things. And it's like, even if on that fun day, I don't know if you felt the same, Kelly or Jessica, it's like, you still have constant distraction. I wasn't even present and I couldn't even fully enjoy the moment. Yeah. And so for those nine to fivers or people in an exceptionally busy season in life, going back to what we talked about in the beginning, habits, right? What are some simple habits you can bring into play to get clutter out and move the needle forward where you don't have to invest an hour a day that you probably don't have anyway? So I swear by clutter audits, these take less than two minutes. And really all you do is you attach this new habit, a clutter audit to a habit you already have at home. And I typically tie it to ha doing household chores. So when you put it, putting clean dishes away back into the cabinet, that's an opportunity to take a few seconds to say, oh, that water bottle I got for free at this event, I never use it. Oh, that water bottle has a leak. My kid doesn't even use this one. He only uses a blue one. So there in five seconds, I just got rid of three water bottles. And if you have your donation bin nearby, guess what? You have an immediate spot to put it and boom, you're done. You just got rid of three things. You move the needle forward. You didn't have to schedule it in your calendar. You didn't have to make this big to do. But you can do that when you're doing laundry, you know, cleaning out your pantry, putting groceries away. These little opportunities we all have to spend a few seconds, less than two minutes. And I promise they those really add up big time. I love that. 
how do we get started working with you? What do you advise in terms of somebody who's like, I love this. I need some help. I want to get started. How do I work with you? So uh, my most successful students typically start in my 14 day clutter challenge. Most people understand this is going to take me a lot longer than 14 days looking around my house, but it's just a great, like doable plan of action I provide in the 14 day challenge. And what's cool is they're live, they're community-based. You have me coaching you. I do 10 training videos. And I think what's unique about them with the community is again, going back to what I shared in the beginning, when we are battling clutter, even though we know other people have it too, it feels like we're the only one that sucks at life. Mm -hmm. Like I can't believe my house is a mess. I'm a failure. I suck at everything and I have a clutter, you know? And then we see these people who are right where we are and who are two steps ahead or two steps behind. And it's just this really supportive community. And we don't often get the support, at least I didn't early on from my partner or my kids were too little to support me and helping or supportive words or whatever that looks like. And so being able to have that in the community is really, really great. And it's just 20 minutes a day or as much as you can, 10, 15 minutes, mm -hmm. and then you just make massive momentum. I also have a one-on-one -on -one coaching program. Some people just go straight to that because, because they know they have the information, they have the knowledge, they just need yeah. someone to help them implement, personalize it for them as well. And all that information's on my website. So their 14 day challenge is, is a great place to start though. I like the clutter audit and I saw your reel on that and I've been doing that and I love it, especially the closet one. You yes. Know, where every time I'm getting dressed, I just kind of look and maybe take a piece out. I did that all summer. Yay. Um, but when we have, so when we have items and it's not so clear, right? Mm -hmm. For instance, this is my office slash guest room and I have two nightstands that I don't need. And they're wonderful nightstands and they look great. And I tell myself, like, when we have a guest, it'll be nice to have that. Or like my son, when I get him a bigger bed, he's going to need that nightstand. Like, how do you, you know, what questions do you ask yourself to know whether to keep or give something away when you're struggling with that item? I love it. So when you were saying like, oh, but there's, they're so cute. You know, our minds just start to negotiate why we should keep yes, something, which yeah. happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, my, typically my go-to question is, have I had the opportunity to use this in the last three months or six months or wear this? If you're talking about a pair of shoes or clothing or purse or use it, if you're talk talking about nightstands or like a kitchen utensil, have I used this? in the last three or six months. But I think a better question is, have I had the opportunity to? Because if you've had the opportunity to use those nightstands, maybe not because it's in a guest bedroom is what I'm kind of understanding. Like yeah. they're more for guests and not for you. Then it becomes more clear. You know, have I had the opportunity to wear this dress? Yes, but I wore my favorite one. Yes, but eh, I wore this other one in this color I like better. It kind of just helps us get out of the negotiation process and into logic. And then for your nightstand perspective, you know, you have to remember you're paying for storing stuff in your home. Studies show that we pay as Americans an average of $10 a square foot to store things in our home. So not only did you pay to buy those nightstands, you're paying to store them as well. And it might look a little strange for a bed not to have nightstands next to it. I get it, you know, for a guest bedroom, but I don't know, you could simplify it to one. You could ask yourself something like, What's the benefit? Does the burden of keeping these outweigh the benefit of keeping these? Yeah. And I think in that particular circumstance, you keep the nightstands probably. <laughs> but you know, that just little things you can ask yourself. We have to honestly, yeah, it boils down to weighing the benefit versus the burden. I think a lot of us have hypotheticals. Yes. You know, like what well, I'm going to, and I say that because this is my office 99% of the time. Like mm -hmm. no one comes anymore especially post COVID. I have family here. So like whatever. And so it's like, I'm going to keep it like a bedroom Yes. for 48 hours a year when it functions as my office. Most of the time, can I settle in utilizing it as office anyways? I think a lot of us have these hypotheticals, like Kelly, you've given examples of like, you know, I keeping a roasting pan because you host Thanksgiving once every decade or, you know what I mean? It's like, we were like, well, we know we're going to use it or we're going to have it. And so I think that, but I like that when you say, have they had the opportunity and I've chosen not to. And I think yeah. so often the answer is no. And I really love that question. Yeah. I think that's good. I agree. Yeah. And that hosting stuff you do host once a year. I mean, keep it. 
that's where it's like people get so caught up. I want to declutter my home, but I don't want to touch my kitchen stuff because I'm a foodie or I love to cook and I love to host. Everyone has their thing. I love my clothes. I also still really enjoy shopping. We're all still human beings, even though we declutter and live, lead simpler lives. I think that's where a lot of declutter experts get it wrong or whoever, you know, it's like, we're not robots. <laughs> and yeah. I still feel that fleeting moment of like excitement when I buy something, you can't take that. That's how we are created. <laughs> and I feel like if that's your goal to go, like the pendulum swings too far the other way, again, it becomes too stressful, too overwhelming. Well, I can't even achieve that. So what's the point? So really it's about finding this balance, or I prefer the word harmony. So leading that simpler life, still having your thing. And maybe for you, Jessica, it's listen, this is my office. What would you do with that space if that bed and nightstands weren't there? Yeah. Maybe you've always had a goal to have, uh, you know, buy a Peloton or whatever, mm. you know, like, hey, great, there's a spot for a Peloton. That's how I'm gonna take care and nurture myself and my body for when I'm not podcasting. And now all of a sudden the spot, you never had space for a Peloton in your home. Now the bed's gone. You get an air mattress for if someone visits, you simplify it, who cares? People can sleep on an air mattress yeah. and you deal with it. And you sell mm. the nightstands, you sell the bed and all that money goes toward a Peloton, right? It's just like, how can you use that space to support you, your goals and your family. Yeah. And I think that's a really fruitful question. I constantly ask myself because as our needs change, as we grow, as our interests evolve, so should the stuff in our home, just because it helped you back then or served a purpose six months ago or six years ago, it doesn't mean you need to keep it forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And that this whole yeah. $10, $10, a, what'd you say? $10 uh, a, square a, foot. a square foot, $10 a square foot. Yeah. I've got to wrap my brain around that one too. Like, okay, okay, all right. So basically, like a lot of our homes are just storage units. Well, I think that <laughs> yes. Well, and the challenge, you know, it's like if I spent, you know, a couple t times this week, I'm watching HGTV, right, where there's renovating these homes and they're all staged and it's all these perfect accessories and here and there. And in some ways, also with culture, we're being taught to fill our home. Yes. Right. Yeah, I get. You know, people ask me, oh, do you watch this show on HGTV? And I'm like, I don't watch it. And that's by design because it influences our behavior. And the more home makeover shows I watch, the more I'm going to want to make over my own home and less content if I'm constantly watching these shows, right? Yeah. Because our brain starts to compare. We can't control that. It's just subconsciously our brain's like, well, Oh yeah, they, that's a nice paint color. Oh, looking around, yeah, I could probably improve that, right? And there's nothing wrong with renovating your home and projects and creating a home that you love, but I find that where we're spending our time, even if it's on media, I know myself enough to know if I watched home makeover shows all the time, I'd constantly be putting more money into my home that I really don't want to. I'd rather put that elsewhere. Yeah. Um, it kind of just creates that comparison, keeping up with the Jones mentality, in my opinion. And uh, I mean, that's a consumerism mentality that yeah. I don't, I don't want to have. And I don't want that stressor. And I really think there's beauty in being able to find contentment and good enough my home yes. is good enough. If it's serving me and my family, great. It doesn't need, I don't need to be the number one hostess. I don't need to have all the China, the fine extra stuff, the coolest pan, the coolest decor. If it is supporting me and my family, it's good enough and I'm good. So again, I just, I, I would just be wary of the shows you watch, even if you do watch them for entertainment or for inspiration at some point it, the line can kind of shift. You know what I mean? Yeah. And parallel thought on that too, is our book club book for August that we've been talking through is 4,000 weeks and it's time management for mortals. And so we were really focusing a lot on like time management. So Jess and I were like, let's pick this book. It's supposed to be great. And the whole book was about basically it's not like about said, how to have moments. It's about moments. We have, yeah, it's not like jamming as much as you can in your time. It's yeah. enjoying missing out the joy of missing out the yes. idea of like really figuring out what your value system is and focus on that and be happy, find joy in like not doing everything and find contentment. It, it was about that. It was about like, it's not this whole, get it all in, live this fullest life. It was more like do what makes you happy and just focus on that and just ditch everything else. It's hard though. It is hard in our culture to switch the mentality on that. But I love what you're saying. It's so true about just, you know, even for our kids and like trying to 
as they get older, like what is bringing you joy? Are you, is that video game really making you happy? Cause you seem really upset right now, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like figuring out ways to, to enrich our own lives and be aware of that. It's going back to what you're saying about being in the present, right? I agree. It's, it's such like a lifestyle, you know, Katie. Oh man. We could talk forever on these topics. <laughs> I mean, we, Part I feel two. like we barely skin <laughs> the <and> surface. <laughs> And we didn't talk about your awesome podcast, which is the Maximize Minimalist. And it is really awesome. It's so fun. There's lots of laughs. You have some great guests. You have such a great positive vibe and energy. So definitely recommend to listen to those episodes as well. Absolutely. Yes. And this is incredibly inspiring. And I think just to kind of summarize what we talked about today, it's it's like we have to do the work. It, what I'm hearing you saying, it's not about decluttering your house. It's about doing the internal work of what's important to you, what are your life goals, what brings you joy. And we have to kind of stop avoiding and filling the void. And so I love all of that, right? Because it's, it's, a, it's a journey. Yeah. And, and I know we live in a culture again, that really, we want that quick win. We want a magic pill. We wish Mary Poppins cleanup magic was real. And trust me, I still do, (laughs) but that's not the reality. And I think finding again, that harmony between the mess that happens from life and embracing that in a sense, and also being able to key into ways you can simplify and declutter your home and just the benefits you'll continue to reap from that and how your life will change from that. And there is power in slowness. There's power in calm. There's power in peace. There's power in not hurrying, not being distracted, but also those moments can be scary for people, right? When we tune into our thoughts and emotions and we're like, oh, I don't want to feel that. (laughs) What can I do? (laughs) But that is really, that is going to be more powerful. Any, anyone out there, including me, more powerful than any declutter checklist, any declutter podcast, any declutter strategy is like, we have the power within us to, to do this. Um, But you're right. it, It does take the work, but Um, That's where the change happens during the during process. It's really beautiful. And then like all of a sudden you turn into this beautiful butterfly and you're like, what? All that work did pay off. Like I'm really shining now. And um, yeah, it's just it. It's fruitful. It's worth it. And no matter what season of life you're in, I just want to encourage your listeners that you can make it as doable as you want. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Do it the easy way. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much, Katie. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks for having me. We encourage you to check Katie out. That's katiejoywells.com. She's Katie Joy Wells on social. And also, like Kelly said, she's got that awesome podcast, The Maximize Minimalist. And we encourage you to check her out. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe so you can hear our latest episodes as soon as they drop. If you love today's episode, please share with another mom. And while you're there, it would be great if you gave us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to know more about Kelly and I, want to find more of our blogs, tips, tools, resources, check that out at ChasingBrighter.com. Or we interact with you on Instagram and Facebook at Chasing Brighter. Thanks. We'll be here next week.